again, and welcome to the Mana Pool. Uh, this is episode 313 of the Mana Pool, and as you can tell, I sound a little bit better. Yay. Uh, we are brought to you, as always, by Cardshark.com, a better way to buy and sell magic cards, which everyone should go check out if you haven't, and if you haven't, what the hell, man? Or a woman. Or whichever. Also, doesn't Facebook have, like, um... Uh, 50 different combinations of gender identification now. Wow, really? Yeah, I, I, I heard about that recently. I mean, they, they might not have rolled it out yet, but they have all these different um, combinations of uh, identifications that you can use for yourself now. That's awesome. Like, not for me. I mean, in general, that's awesome. Yeah. I do like that... Uh, actually, no, I don't like that at all, but it's unrelated, so let me switch to something related. There we go. Uh, you know, for a long time, I had a running, uh, commentary, not commentary, a running dialogue with my favorite lesbians mm-hmm. about turning the phrase LGBT because I hate that because it does not roll off the tongue at all <laughs> into just giblet. And I kept, I get one of them behind me and the other one was like, you're both stupid. And then after a while she would be like, you know, actually I like it. Well, I don't like it anymore. Well, damn it. <laughs> If I ever could have gotten both of them on my side, we we could have started to try to enact real change for absolutely just, no reason. So you just wanted something you could say as as a word. Yeah, because uh-huh. LGBT really sucks. <laughs> that's that's why we're not like magic players; we're dorks. <laughs> it's just bam. Anyway, enough offending people. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Chewy. I'm here to offend you. Unfortunately, sorry about that. I'll blame it on the cough medicine. I got cough medicine with stuff in it. I don't know what the stuff is, but it's apparently good stuff. I haven't actually oh. taken any yet, so I can't blame it on that either. Oh, okay. Well, but, <laughs> well you're going through withdrawals then. That's that's a problem. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm twitching. You're going through stuff withdrawals. Stuff with. <laughs> you know, I probably am, but that's for neither here nor there. <laughs> um, and with me as always. Are some dorks, for God's sake, take, get me out of this. <laughs> hey, I'm Brian, I'm the lead rambler. I'm also here to insult and or offend. That's what I'm here to do. If you don't like it, well, I'm sorry. Ah! <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the rules guy and the game lore guy, and I don't mean to insult or offend, but sometimes it happens, and most of the time I feel guilty, but not all the time, because some people just deserve it. <laughs> Something that... Uh... We used to talk about a lot is how Mike isn't really a dick. Sometimes he just comes off as one. Yeah. <laughs> but he really doesn't mean to. <laughs> so last week, <clears throat> we recorded during, like, Snowpocalypse South 2014. Yeah. And now it's almost 70 degrees outside. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love the weather in this part of the world. Like, when, when I – yesterday and this morning when I walked out the door – not wearing my big long coat, I felt like I wasn't dressed properly. I, <laughs> it felt really weird. <laughs> like, am I missing something? I got my got my uh, jacket and got my keys tied. What is going on? <laughs> what am I missing? You're missing cold weather. Is what you were missing. <laughs> yeah. When I left work this morning, I instinctively grabbed my uh, hoodie and threw mm-hmm. it on. And I don't park that far away, but the walk to the car was uh, was hard. <laughs> Got to the car, I'm like, why am I so tired and hot? <laughs> I look down, I'm like, oh, God, I'm wearing this thing. <laughs> <coughs> oh, well. Well, enough of that. Uh, Dirk, 
actually didn't get back to us. So we're pretty sure Dirk is swamped under uh, waves and waves of grad school work. Because that's what happens. He's been <clears throat> whelmed by them. <laughs> and he is not a... Uh, I don't a remember Leviathan. what they were now. Yeah. He's not a Leviathan or an Octopoid. Pod? Pod. Octopode. <laughs> well, singular would be octopus. You're an octopus. Dude, oh. that reminds me. Uh, Scott and I, my roommate and webmaster, we watched uh, <laughs> a Let's Play of Octodad Dadliest Catch. Which is a bizarre video game. Is that based on whoever would marry Octomom? Uh, no. Oh. Then I have no interest. <laughs> no, it was pretty awesome. Uh, the way it is, it's an octopus who is posing as a human. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so you have to control the arms and legs. And you can do it co-op. So they split it up. It was two guys. It was on Screw Attack. Uh, they split it up to where one guy was controlling the left arm and left leg, and one guy was controlling the right arm and right leg. <laughs> <laughs> and hilarity ensues. Did you watch the video I sent you of Brutal Moose playing um, Oregon Trail? Trail 2? Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. That was pretty funny. Oh, and I, I did uh, know who Brutal Moose was. Brutal Moose has narrated some of the uh, Did You Know Gaming YouTube videos. So that's that's where I knew him from. All right. I'm now subscribed to his uh, YouTube channel. Yay. But anyway, yeah, so Octodad is really bizarre and enjoyable to watch, especially with two idiots playing, uh, con- each one controlling half of the body. It was it was great. There were several times when Scott and I were yelling and cursing at the television. It's right there! Just go! <laughs> Just go! <laughs> all in all, it was, it was enjoyable. There were eight episodes, and if anyone is bored... I highly recommend you check out uh, the Octodad Dadliest Catch Let's Play. It's called Hey, Let's Play on Screw Attack. Now, enough of that. So that see, Octodad would be just standing there. He'd be the only one left after a whelming wave. That was the whole reason I launched into that. I'm sorry. So, he's an octopus. <laughs> let's pretend it was worth it. Yes. <laughs> hey, let's pretend. <laughs> we'll never tell him the truth. Aw. <laughs> oh. So let's see, what else is new? Uh, so, <laughs> like we said last week, they did decode uh, a conspiracy. Conspiracy, yeah. <clears throat> Not long after we got done with the episode. so And Reddit was right, so all the stuff we talked about held true, so that's good. Oh, but there, there was something we missed, and I don't know if it was because was. we just missed it in the translation or it wasn't translated, but um, 13 of the 60-some-odd or 50-some-odd cards, uh, new cards, won't be legal in Legacy and Vintage. Oh, yeah, and that's really weird. Re- I, ooh, I missed that. Yeah, that's- yeah, 13 of them won't be legal in, in Legacy and Vintage. And we had some we had some um, brainstorming in the chat box on the forum. And people were thinking, you know, the, the things that are on the, on the Vintage band list right now are the anti-cards, the physical dexterity cards, meaning Chaos Orb, Falling Star, yeah. and... Sherazad. So, you know, people were thinking it's got to be for one of those reasons, unless it's a new, completely crazy reason. And then, um. Manual, manual dexterity ante. Yeah, yeah there you go. Sorry. <laughs> you, you, you can actually, or, or you can actually, you know, throw the cards at other players, you know, to deal the damage. And you can keep whatever you uh, get. It's like being yeah. in one of those giant phone booths where they have the money blowing at you. <laughs> right, exactly. 
but but keeping what you catch goes back to what I thought of. You know, one of the reasons that uh, the anti cards are banned is because several of them can make a card change ownership in the middle of a game. Right. In fact, and I'm thinking that would be yeah. that would be a really cool mechanic to introduce to uh, conspiracy, just just for the cons- the conspiracy format itself. Give me that. Yeah, give me that. That's mine now. It's in my deck. Yeah, or it's in my hand. Maybe you'll actually have cards that will allow you to um, put a card from someone else's hand into your hand because that's kind of been ta- that's yeah. been taboo. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you find in a lot of um, like a, a in the box card games. Mm-hmm. You know that you just buy from the sales. You know for, for a party game or something. Sure, taking cards from other people's hands. I mean Uno or lots yeah. of or lots of traditional card games too. Yeah. Hmm. I was thinking. Oh, I'm glad just, you pointed that out because I did not notice that. Yeah, I was thinking just because of the uh, the weird mechanics that have something to do with draft, like with drafting itself. Maybe those would, for some reason, be legacy. Uh, would be illegal in legacy. Yeah, well, see, but the only time you'd ever draft it though. To be in it. I mean, yeah, like because that, uh, command I, tower. I, I, yeah, command tower. Like yeah. that golem guy is. I mean, he's just a hill giant when he's in your yeah. deck. And there's there's nothing wrong with Hill Giant. You're never gonna draft him in Legacy. You're only ever gonna draft him when you're drafting Conspiracy. He so. was a three three. Yeah. Oh. I thought he was a Hill Giant. Power creep. Yeah, I uh. think he's a three three for four. Oh. I must go look at that. He is a three three. I'll be damned. Take that red. <laughs> yeah. Wow, blue's got one too. Woo. Anyway, <laughs> so. <laughs> So yeah, let us know why, why you think those things might not be uh, legacy and vintage legal because it's fun to think about. We're just spitballing here. It's kind of gross. It is potentially disgusting. Yeah. Um, in other other news that actually is not in the uh, the show notes here. My bad. Uh, Dollies. What is ICV2? What this website ICV2. Like I C capital and then lowercase v and then two. I don't know what it is. I, uh, hmm. Inside geek culture. Oh, okay. Weird. But uh, according to an article on their site, uh, well, Hasbro released its uh, uh, sales information and whatnot, <laughs> and Magic is up more than twenty percent for the year. Holy crap! Yeah, and Wizards of the Coast is up twenty three percent overall. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty ridiculous. Wow. This is good news if you like the company and you like what they do. So, yay. Yeah. So that's that's pretty awesome. Dollies. Uh, it, say, it does say the girls segment was up more than games with a 19% increase uh, for the quarter and 26% for the year because of My Little Pony and Furby. <laughs> Well, congratulations, I guess. Yeah. But uh, uh, the the boys segment are they are they really counting My Little Pony as a girl's property? Yeah, according to the like the way that they've got it all sectioned out. Yeah, it's like the the, the the impression I get is that there's just so many adolescent and young like, are you going to use the word? Are you going to use the word? No, I am not. <laughs> Good. It's the word. Oh my god! Damn Brian. it, Brian! You are bringing us down. 
You weren't uh, letting me talk about the dolls fast enough. So. Dollies. Dollies. Uh, it also says uh, the drain on sales, because sales were down a little bit compared to both last quarter and last year. It says the drain on sales actually came from the boys segment, which was down 16% for the year due to declines in Beyblade and Marvel, because Marvel, of course, had Avengers last year, so Marvel was through the freaking roof last year. Right. So anything that has got to go down. Still in production. Oh, yeah. It doesn't say anything about Transformers. I'm guessing the lack of a Transformers movie or anything actually also hurt sales. Probably. Yeah. It was not until I watched the Super Bowl, or what passed for Super Bowl this year, that I realized that they were actually doing another Transformers movie, and they're doing it without Sheila LaBeouf. And I like the Transformers movies. I drug these guys to the Transformers movie for as part of my bachelor party and it was awesome but i am definitely ready to see you know other actors yeah, not shia labeouf who who's in this one i forgot already it's mark not, Wahlberg. it is mark Wahlberg. okay that's hmm. uh, that's fine he can you know oh he yeah he is butts. he he is either terrible as you've seen in the happening but that was a terrible movie so that why was would a he put god any, awful movie yeah so why would he put any started. effort in that crap but like the stuff i've seen him in where he's trying is really good yeah, I, th- I think he's. I think he's a good action hero. Did you guys see uh, Invincible? That that no. male chick flick about uh, the the, the walk ons for the Philadelphia Eagles back in the seventies. No, I seen it. oh my god, I did dude! See the replacements with Keanu Reeves, which is about the the football strike in the nineteen. 19- was Mark Wahlberg in that? No, it was Keanu Reeves. <laughs> oh, well, then that doesn't help, does it? No. <laughs> But yeah, it no, was, I did, I know he was Invincible. the main character, and I have it was seen, really good. I have, I have seen snippets of it, of it, and I've never seen the, it the whole way through. But it seemed pretty good. I just haven't taken the time to see the whole thing. And lots of gun nuts that I've worked with claim that Shooter is really good, but also lots of people who aren't gun nuts claim that Shooter is really good. So that helps. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, anyway. He was excellent in The Departed, but pretty much everyone in The Departed, it was kind of like the opposite of The Happening. Everyone that was involved with yeah. that project did a pretty good job. So. I'm really sad that I haven't seen it yet. All I know is Leonardo DiCaprio You're keeps grounded. Going, I'm not the rat in the, the bad accent. Because <laughs> I, I happen to surf past that on AMC. Anyway, anyway. So, yeah, uh, the Hasbro CEO also talked briefly about the uh, magic movie. He goes, there's a lot of storytelling across the magic mythology, much like Transformers, for many, many years. And we're excited about that. It's going to be a few years off. We have to make sure we get a great script with great characters and great story first and foremost. So let's hope that, you know, that's actually true and he's not just talking. <laughs> and by great, he doesn't just mean not bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, coughing. Okay. That was quick. The cough, that is. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. That's that's good for magic. Magic is up, and <coughs> Hasbro loves it, so that helps. <laughs> but We're enough, not canceling uh, it anytime soon. <clears throat> Speaking of magic being up, when magic is up, that means we get stuff, right? Right. Now, do dollies. We... Dollies. Oh yeah, I forgot. The link in Monday Night Magic is the actual is a link from actionfigurefury.com. That is an actual website. Yeah. Wow. And I've lost the link in the chat box. <laughs> oh, there it is. Blink. So tell us about this stuff. Somebody that is more interested in it. 
Brian. I'm not actually interested in it. I just oh. like that it's little dollies. Okay, fine. They're so cute. <laughs> I like the first ones a lot better than the second ones. Um, there's going to be two sets of figurines based on six planeswalkers. Ajani, Jace, Garrick, Chandra, Liliana, and Nista. Because I think they wanted what? three males and three females. And they're like, who else is a female? Karn? No. Jace? No. <laughs> Jace? Yes, we've already got him. Oh, damn. So, oh, Nissa. Okay. She has <laughs> These things is not like the others. But anyway, the first ones is the first series of pop vinyl figures are coming out in April. And they are 3.75 inches tall. And they're vinyl, and they just, they're like kind of super deformed, and they've got huge heads, and I kind of like, they've got giant eyes, and it makes the fact that Ajani's only got one eye stand out all, all the more. Oh they're, my god, so adorable. They're kind of cute. <laughs> Figures shown are prototypes and not final. And then they're like, well, we have to do serious ones. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So. Lex actually showed me, uh, she sent me a link a while back that was these pop fixture, uh, pop fiction. <laughs> Pop vinyl figures of Walking Dead characters. Oh. And I was like, oh my god, they're so cute! Yeah, there's tons and tons of different ones of these things. I didn't even, I didn't really, I knew about them, but I didn't know the, the extent of the, of the different ones that there were <clears throat> until I went, um, to a comic book convention with my brother last year and I walked by a booth and, and like one of the walls of the booth was like a wall of these things. <laughs> like all of them were different. I'm like, oh my God. All kinds of different television yeah. and movie and comic book and video game properties. I had no idea these things were as widespread as they are. Mm-hmm. We all learned something here today. Huh. We don't know what it is, but. Monkeys. So and then, um, they're actually, they're also going to have sculptors do like larger ones, I guess. And they're more serious looking or something. Um, they are six inch deluxe action figures. I wonder if they'll have like a karate chop. Uh, and it's the, it's the same six planeswalkers. It's the five and, and Nissa. Um, <laughs> and they're more, like I said, serious and, you know, whatever. And those are set for August release. Yeah. And they're, uh, it says Gentle Giant are the ones doing the action figures, which I have not, like, I don't know the name just by the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, as far as quality goes, they, they look like they're not quite like McFarlane Toys ridiculous amount of detail, but they still look pretty damn good. Yeah. And there might be people that are into action figures that are laughing at me now. I don't even know if McFarlane Toys still does things, but I do know that their stuff was pretty ridiculously well done. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, there you go. So let's see here. Gentle Giant. I'm going to see who these people are. In-stock uh, merchandise. Oh, thanks. What the, depending on how much these MSRP for, I could like see getting a token. Whoa, I'm seeing Alien, Star Wars, The Walking Dead, 300... Huh. The Hobbit and Marvel all listed on their uh, site, so that's pretty good. Yeah, oh I figured God. Wizards probably wasn't going to, like, the new kid on the block and saying, Hey, do you want to do this? And they're like, sure, I can do figures. What'd you find? 
Kofi. Oh, you were. <laughs> so I thought that was a good thing, not a dying thing. Well, let's see. They have Lord of the Rings mini busts. Those are cute. Marvel. Oh, oh they have action figures and mini busts. Oh, look, an Iron Patriot. How cute. <clears throat> look at you. Okay, these look uh, these look pretty awesome. Star Wars, what we got there? Come on, come on, load faster, you crappy computers website thing. Okay, these look kind of more old school. Oh, they got mini busts there, too. Surprised they went with action figures over mini busts for uh, the Planeswalkers. Uh, I guess just so they could show off the costume design. Yeah, that's probably the costume design for each of them. It's really cool. I was thinking, you know, uh, Nissa probably made it because they wanted a green one because the Garrick that they have for both the the pop figurines and the um and the legacy action figures, Garrick is at a, what seems to be a pretty advanced stage of his veil curse. Yeah, he's all, all pale and stuff. Yeah, all pale and. <laughs> Not healthy looking. <laughs> and his armor is all either black or silver. Right. You can't see his face, like at all, with the little one. Yeah, with the little one, his his mask is his helmet is covering most of his face. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they probably they probably included Nissa because they needed they wanted a, a real green one. Well, and I guess Garrick, you know, since Garrick is all screwed up. She she's an elf, and elves are very iconic in magic history. So that's true. Yeah, so no Tybalt and drag, unfortunately. Lame. <laughs> I wish they had done a Gideon Jura so Brian could cuss at him. <laughs> I would buy it just for the pleasure of pulling a Sid on it. <laughs> strap a strap, strap a, a rocket to it. To it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, so, no, Dolly, it's time for your operation. <laughs> Hmm. So, that looks like all the news, so let's get right into it. Uh, so I'm a casual player, right? Yes, you are. I mean, on the rare occasion I do play, it's just with basically you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much it. So, I'm really not one to talk about this. <laughs> but you guys, you guys, uh, especially Mike... Uh, has made a transition from a primarily casual player to someone who plays casually and still uh, goes to things like FNM. And I get the feeling the only reason Brian doesn't go more often is due to time. That's it on the head. Yeah. So uh, these time, guys wanted to talk about... If time was I would go more often. Well, we, Mike, tell us how you got the idea for this topic, because you didn't come up with it on your own. Yeah, um, we were we were just thinking about you know hey what we talk about like we usually do uh, two or three days before we record <laughs> and um, sometimes more sometimes, sometimes more less. sometimes less <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but yeah and I noticed uh, some some people had actually posted some new things in the show ideas thread on the forums in the past couple days. So I decided to take another look at those and then go back a few pages, see what else there were. And, um, back, uh, back in late 2012, uh, a few months ahead of GP Charlotte, um, cyberpunk otaku one asked us, you know, how about a little discussion on going from the kitchen table to FNM and beyond, you know, maybe for those that might be going to the first PTQ or whatever, sometime soon 
I didn't realize he'd made that comment so long ago. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that stuff doesn't get posted in there very often. But um, the things that do are very worthwhile. But yeah, and and especially since Brian and I had uh, had just gone to that Star City Games Invitational Qualifier this past weekend, and um, and both of us have uh, tried to do FNM here and there where we can over the last several months. <coughs> I just thought that'd be interesting to talk about. I think it's safe to say, and it's it's no insult to the others at all. I think everyone has a different play style. That of the four of us, Mike and I have ventured out more often, more frequently, and more voluntarily. Uh, ah. to, um, to less casual, more tournament oriented events. So, so yeah, so you're a casual player and you're thinking about dipping your toe into the wire, wider world of magic. And don't do to, it. Don't do it. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I have to be very careful about how I phrase this sort of stuff because I think the easy trap to fall into, and I think a lot of tournament players feel this way, is that you know, you're kind of starting out and you're casual and then you kind of evolve, so to speak, uh, from a Pikachu into whatever it becomes. Uh, when you right go you. to, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a right you. Damn okay. it. Why did I know that? I'm muting again. <laughs> it like somehow you're taking a step up when you go to tournaments and certainly going to tournaments can improve your play because you, you learn some of the interactions and the rules perhaps that you didn't know before. Uh, you get you meet new people. You tried out different play styles, but I really caution against the thought that it is necessarily a vertical transition. I think it more as a horizontal transition, whereas you're just learning a different way to play. And then not that that isn't to say then that you couldn't then go back and play casually again or in the middle. I. I kind of shy away from terms like either completely tournament player, completely casual player, unless that's all you do, because I'm a casual player that plays uh, in tournaments whenever they're around, but I don't travel for them, at least not more than, I don't know, 100 miles. Even that depends on if I've got the time or not. Would you say that's fair, Mike? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. There, there needs to, There needs to be a word, a better word for someone in the middle there. You know, like I think, I'm, I'm just I'm thinking about um, the the word hobbyist comes to mind. You know, because it, it makes me think of you know a person who might be a, a big fan of a certain sport and might you know play some pickup games here and there, but sometimes gets involved in you know a community league every once in a while, something mm-hmm. like that. A like an intramural sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, I got a good word. What? Rony. That is the worst word. Hang on. No, that wasn't the wrong word. No, sorry. I'm sorry. Moist? How about dirtle? (laughs) A moist dirtle. (laughs) Okay, I'm done now. Thank you for contributing to this discussion. Uh, The speaker does not recognize the – the chair does not recognize the speaker from the Trade Federation at this time. Sit back down. I am the chair. (laughs) Beam me up. Set phasers to miss. Anyway, um, so, uh, what I, I think that's good. You, you need a kind of different term. I think that the majority of magic players are free to, you know, it's, you're not betraying anyone by leaving your casual group to go play in a tournament. You're not, uh, dumbing yourself down by playing casually. Um, my perspective, 
is that I think this is the same part of me that can't stand to have decks together for too long without tearing them down and building them back up again or building new ones or exploring different formats or inventing new formats is just for me again it's it's a different way to play the game and I love having out uh, hanging out and playing with these guys and then occasionally I will get the itch to try and play more competitively and f- see how far can I go uh, I don't think I'll ever make the pro tour but you know that doesn't mean that I'm not going to have a good time um, testing my limits. I think I'm a decent player, and I think I've become a decent player over the last several years. And um, and then if I do enough of that, I'm like, man, I just I just want to play EDH again, you know. And I, I go through cycles of that. Uh, so um, I play too much EDH. I want to play some sixty card or forty card or you know, however. So for me, it's just a- it's exercising different aspects of my personality. Um, and of course, then you have different types of formats for tournaments, but that I might be getting ahead of myself there. So I guess my first note, if we're going to make any sort of bullet points would be if you're thinking about doing it, if assuming that we're preaching mostly to the casual perspective and we're talking about then going to tournaments, my first thought is if you're thinking about doing it, don't overthink it. Just see what's in your area and go there and don't think, don't try and wait for the perfect one just go ahead and go go to an fnm if you can't go to an fnm and you really want to go to the grand prix coming up this weekend there's no rule saying you must have attended three uh fnms to go to a grand prix just go to a grand prix you know try it and don't get too discouraged from your first uh, experience at the same time i i'm not saying you're gonna get discouraged hopefully you'll have a great time uh now keep in mind I even played in GP Charlotte and Vegas, and I scrubbed out quick, and I had a blast. <laughs> mm-hmm. be, be the first thing is, though, Chewy, when you when you play in constructed events, you tend to do pretty good, even though you hardly ever do it. It's because I don't have. This is something we'll get to later. I don't have the time and the energy to actually acquire cards. Yeah. So we'll, uh, yeah. we'll get we'll, to that we'll, shortly. We'll cut, yeah. I think if when you're going to your first tournament, my first rule would be go in, but don't necessarily expect to go all the way your first time. Really kind of come at it. Be willing to learn, certainly, but, but don't get so focused on your success or, or difficulty with your success that you don't let yourself have a good time. And the second rule I'm going to say right away is don't ever go in even to your first tournament not expecting to do well. Because if you do, if you kind of come in and you say, well, I'm a new player and I'm not going to do well, then you're not helping yourself. You're not, you're not, um, saying to yourself, this is a game. I know how to play this game and I think I can maybe do well. Just don't pin all your hopes on it, but don't ever sell yourself short. Don't ever and don't ever, ever, ever let anyone else sell you short or your deck short. Unless you're just running the 26 lands and then 26 more lands and then however many cards are left over, <laughs> that many lands. But, you know, in which case, if they're all great lands, you know, maybe it's a great deck. But don't let yourself be put down by yourself, first of all, and then by anybody else. So, Yeah, um, pretend you're in Dirty Dancing and nobody puts baby in the corner. I've never seen that movie. What? <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, uh, but yeah, uh, and you're married, fi- 
find a term find a that's close to you at, <laughs> store or, uh, at a convention hall, someplace like that, and just go. And hopefully it's a, a format that you're interested in because there are all sorts of formats for every way to play Magic. There's a different type of tournament. Um, but my first advice is go out there and, and try it. And don't think you're going to win, but don't ever think you can't win. Um, any any other thoughts to kind of kick off the conversation, Mike? Yeah, the my 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 first thing that I wanted to say is is closely related to what Brian brought up as as his first thing. You gotta you gotta have the right mindset when you set out. You know, moving from the kitchen table to a a, a, a sanctioned event. You know, you have to be you have to be prepared to lose, and you have to be prepared to win. You have to be prepared to lose. Uh, you know, well, and you have to be prepared to win gracefully. Sportsmanship is really important when you're going out there to a sanctioned event and you're interacting with people you don't know and people who don't know you and people who aren't used to you in the way you are. Um, <laughs> it feels like you're talking to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not what I <laughs> – I mean, if, 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 if you're the kind of person who – you know, starts to get aggravated when you're behind and you're losing and your friends have gotten used to it and they even laugh about it a little bit. You know, you got to watch out for that when you're around uh, other people you don't know. Yeah. You, you have to, you have to be fully prepared for the fact that you, know, you might lose several games. You might lose most of your games. You might lose almost all of your games, depending on, you know, what you're playing and just how uh, your, the luck factor runs for you. <coughs> and you got to be able to take that and deal with it and be gracious about it and likewise for winning you know no one likes a sore loser but no one likes a jackass winner either <laughs> so i guess my first my first point really just boils down to try to be in your best behavior i guess um, when you're out in public around other people these guys know me and they know that i tend to talk a lot and you know yes we all know that but i mean including during a game and people are making plays and i'll comment about that and Maybe I'll try and pick out who we should all be ganging up on, or you know, I'll encourage play. A lot of times, if I think somebody's about to do something awesome, even to me, I'll say, "Yeah, you know." And sometimes when I'm playing in tournaments, I'll continue the chatter, but I'm always kind of conscious about what my how my opponent's reacting to that, or I try to be. And if I feel like they're just not getting my sense of humor, then I'll try and tone it down a little bit because I don't want to come across as Oh, I'm just, I'm not paying attention. I'm not taking this seriously. If, if they're trying to take it seriously, I'm kind of being aware of, of where they're at, kind of feeding in anecdotes from this last weekend. For example, you know, there was at least one player that I was playing against and, uh, I was just kind of joking around. I wasn't saying anything, you know, insulting or anything like that. I was just, and he, he just seemed so focused. He didn't seem to really kind of get, and he kept saying, huh, when I was just saying some, something off the cuff. Uh, and I eventually just kind of stopped, not because I was offended by him, but because I sensed that he wasn't resonating with what I was saying. So was this the guy that punched you in the head? It, we can't. You're just trying very hard to not let us have a serious discussion, aren't you? You're you're trying really, really hard. I have hard. nothing to add to this conversation, so yes, you I'm might just interjecting. You might surprise <laughs> us though. So, but I think that's a very good point. Be aware not just about when you're winning and losing, but also how you're conducting yourself the whole time. Right. When I was in law school, uh, one thing that was hammered home a couple times by a couple guest attorneys when we were talking about life after the bar exam was, uh, especially when you practice, was you only have one reputation. 
And mm. as soon as you ruin it, no one will ever look at you the same way. And in the community, I mean, yes, you can go to another town. You can play against other people you've never played against. And that's, you know, you're kind of starting over, so to speak. But if you are thinking about doing this on any sort of regular basis and you think that these are people you want to see again, how you conduct yourself is how they're going to expect you to conduct yourself in the future. Uh, there was a Pro Tour qualifier I went to a couple of years ago. It was at uh, what was now Gaming Underground was previously something else, but this was after it was DJs. This store has had a lot of names. And um, it was one <laughs> that at least, at least um, uh, Bill went with us. I can't remember who else went, but it was Innistrad Sealed. And toward the end of the day, I was still, I was X and one, so I was still qualifying, so to speak, and I got paired against an opponent. He was a decent guy, but when everything was on the line in the last game, he was literally counting every card I drew just to make sure that I wasn't, like, he made a point of counting them, and whenever, like, at some point, like, every couple turns, he'd say, wait a minute, you're, you're up a card, I'd say, because he would reference how many he had and how many I had. And I said, no, I flashed back this one or you did this or something like that. And every time he questioned it, I was right. And, but he kept pointing out how I was drawing well and I had all this removal and never mind the fact that literally every single thing he played, I had to have a removal spore, removal spell for, or I was going to lose, but it was more focused on that. And by the end of the experience, I ended up winning the round, but I didn't feel good about it at all because I felt so drained. And he's standing there between with me and Bill between, uh, waiting for the next round to start. And he's talking about, like, yeah, we should friend him on Facebook. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't ever want to see you again. No I offense, think, but... I think I remember you telling me about that. Like, you felt like you were sitting there. It was you and him, and he had a spotlight on you. You know, like the, in yeah. the dark room with the light over your head. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, I understand, you know, he he wants to do well, and he's making sure that he plays well, but I felt like he was always questioning my just, I, I don't know. Integrity it, as a person. But, uh, yeah, and by the end of it, I just honestly wanted nothing to do with him. Now, compare that to this last weekend. It's round five out of five, and this guy is re a great guy. And he's playing a mono red deck or yeah, mono it's, it's, red. It's someone I know and someone I already like. And and, and uh, I had never met him before. I had no mm -hmm. idea what I was getting into. And I sit down and he wins the die roll. So he goes first. He's like, turn one, fire drinker Seder. Uh Turn two, Ash Zealot. Uh, turn three, Boros Reckoner. Turn four, before you have a chance to untap, you're dead. And I'm like, okay, that uh, that was. And I go to my sideboard and I board in all this stuff. And in game two, I literally get like the best hand possible, and I play a temple, and he plays a fire drinker satyr, and I play a temple, and both of these temples keep in mind make black mana, and I'm just I'm I'm like I'm I'm okay, and his turn two he played a spike jester, which if you don't remember what it is, it's a for red for red and a black, it's a three one with haste, it's pretty cool, and so he swings for five on his second turn, I'm like all right. My turn three, play another temple, pass to him. He plays another Spike Jester and tries to swing. I'm like, ha ha, Bioblight, and kill his two things. Um, his two Spike Jesters just go to 13. And I manage to then um, get out a creature. He kills it, keeps swinging. I play a... Um, a uh, uh, 
cursor of Crofix mm-hmm. and and start gaining a little bit of life left. And the whole point I'm, I'm making with this is not necessarily the way I play, but the point is I'm playing as tightly as I can. And I have sideboarded in the right cards, and he still kills me on, like, turn six or maybe seven. And he was a great guy, but in the mo- that was the very last round. That was the last round that I needed to win to win anything. And for a minute there, I didn't want to be mean, but I kind of needed to de- decompress. And Mike was right there, and I was like, I just need to be left alone. And he's trying to chat and strike up a conversation about what's going on. And I'm trying very hard to not be rude, but to not <laughs> engage so that he will go turn in the match slip and I can, you know, take a moment to figure out what has happened. And so I, I'm not saying anything bad. I'm not, <laughs> but I'm saying that you can confront a, uh, maybe a negative experience in a positive way and most comparing him to the previous opponent. This guy was a great guy. And here's the funny thing. I lost this, um, this round versus the one that I won against the other guy. And I even felt more frustrated about it initially. And then as that wore off, I liked this opponent a lot more. He was a great guy. I thought he had a neat deck. I just needed to get past the fact that I had lost to him and the fact that I, I thought I was drawing about as well as I could and I still lost. And once I was able to get over that, no problem, no harm done. And he was a great guy and I was glad to play him. So there's a difference there and it's mostly in how I conduct myself because first of all, you can't just be concerned about how other people are treating you. It starts with you and then how they treated me. That was like three stories on top of each other. <laughs> Mike, anything more to add about conduct in general? Conduct. Um, just just to point out how important it is, like notice none of us have said anything about, you know, cards or format or how to spend your money or do your research. Like the what's going on inside your own head <sighs> and and the demeanor you project is such an important part of of participating in in, in sanctioned events and, and mm-hmm. doing well and having a good time and helping other people to have a good time. It's so yeah. very important. Yeah. Like Brian said, it starts with you. Yeah. And <clears throat> like, like one of the, the, the main things to remember is just try to be an intelligent human being, you know, yeah. you know, take a shower. Like I, I hate that I have to say that, but you still do sometimes. It's true. Uh, but take a shower, you know, Try to wear something where your ass crack isn't all hanging out. Nobody wants to see that. There are so many people who still cannot manage that. Even if you have a pretty ass crack, you really – well, okay, that's not true. Some people might, but it still doesn't (laughs) need to be shown off in public. If you think it's pretty, just take me to the side where we're not in public and show me, and I'll I'll let you know. But but, um, just try to be – it's general courtesy. That, That will get you so far. With uh, a group of new people that, you know, because essentially what you're doing is you're coming into their territory. Now, they're probably not going to look at it that way because, oh, that's something I wanted to bring up. Um, We have, there's a a common thought towards, from casual players towards the not casual players about what those people are like. Just like some, there's the, the common thought from the tournament players about what casual players are. You know, I'm gonna play this card. <laughs> yeah, when we're when we're talking about spikes, for example. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, it is possible. Like the whole every uh, tournament player is a dick and hates you. I mean, that's a myth. 
but all myths have basis in reality. So it's entirely possible that at your card shop there are some, at least a couple, <sighs> who are dicks and hate you. Yeah, <laughs> every, every stereotype start every stereo every stereotype starts somewhere. Somewhere. But that doesn't mean it's true everywhere. Exactly. Right. Hopefully. I, and I'm, I guarantee there's one guy there who does not want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And so don't talk to him. There, that was easy. But uh, if you let people know, you know, hey, I'm new. Do you have any sort of whatever? You'd be amazed at the number of people who will help you out. Ow. That was my elbow in case you heard that. Uh, magic players are, by and large, really friendly and helpful people uh, when it comes to other magic players, you know. When it comes to Yu-Gi-Oh players, not so much. But <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but uh, you know, if you go, hey, before the tournament starts, you know, hey, take a look at my deck. You know, if you find someone you've been friendly with, don't just walk up to a stranger. Hey, take a look at this. Tell me what you think. No, 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 don't do that. Can I come back to this point? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, if it's all right. I want to kind of take a step back now because we've kind of got into some of the introductory stuff and we've talked about how you should conduct yourself, some of the general comments. But if we're going to get more specific, I do want to take a step back. When you're thinking about going to your first tournament or even your second tournament, because this is not all information that you need to know for your first tournament and then after that you're fine. But when you're, when you're kind of (laughs) going to tournaments for the first time, either in a while or you're just kind of getting into them uh the first thing you do obviously if we're going to get down to more specific stuff is make sure you know where you're going it sounds like a simple thing but it can be a big difference between going to a store or going to a convention center or going to the post office i don't know why they'd have one at the post office i know they have them in malls sometimes i've actually gone into a mall one time before i was ever playing magic and i'm pretty sure there was a magic store with a magic tournament and it spilled out into the mall itself and it was mm-hmm. kind of like what are those people doing i don't know i'm just playing my star wars card game what's that card game? i don't know um so make sure you know where it is and the other thing is um mike mentioned well i mean take that into consideration okay, wait, wait, if, wait you you blinked out mike mentioned what Mike mentioned that we hadn't talked about format yet because we were talking about generalities. Well, before Uh, you get to format, not only know where you're going, know when you're going. Where and when. That's important because you don't want to get there and it's like round three. Like, what? Yeah. (laughs) And similarly, unless you're going with friends, you don't want to get there way ahead of time before they open. I mean, it's not like the most of these are not like a Pink Floyd concert. You don't need to park for hours ahead of time unless it's like GP Las Vegas. Um, you really, I mean, you really don't need to be there all morning long before they open up. But you know, know where you're going, know when you're going, know what you're going to. And again, it sounds basic, but first of all, if we're even talking about F and M, different stores have different policies for F&M. Some will run modern. Some will run standard. Some will mix it up. Some will have different ones at different time slots, and that goes back to the when. But think about what you want to play. Don't feel like you have to go to a tournament just to be at a tournament. Think about what you want to play. Um, Sealed, for example, I think is a great way, is a great, honestly, a great way to get started because you get cards. You're kind of on an equal footing with everyone else as far as, uh, the cards you get as as equal as, as sealed pools ever are um, and if you have been going to pre-releases at all this will be a more familiar situation to you i will note that uh coming up they're about to start the season for qualifiers for grand 
for, uh, for I'm sorry for Pro Tour Magic 2015. Now that they're naming all the Pro Tours after sets, and the format for PTQs for that um, Pro Tour is Theros Block Sealed, and the ones uh, starting on March the 15th will be um, Theros and Born of the Gods, and then the season will continue past the pre-release and release for Journey into Nyx, and at that point, they will incorporate Journey into Nyx. There is now a list of those events and where you can find them and where they're being held and who I think even contact information on the main Wizards page, and maybe Chewie will be nice enough to put that in the show notes if I send him a link. In just a yes. minute. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I throw it out there because people say, oh, it's the Pro Tour. It's a high-level event. And, yes, the Pro Tour is a high-level event. But the PTQs are basically a step up from F&M. They're local events. Generally, you can find a couple in a state um, in regions all across the world. I'm not sure because I, I'm Americanized. I I will admit that. I don't know how widespread they are. I don't know how many are in France and how close they are together, but hopefully there's at least one in your area and you can go, you can check it out. If you really don't want to play sealed, I'm not trying to talk you into it, but I think it's, I love sealed personally. And again, if you like going to pre-releases, this is like a pre-release. You just don't have that seated pack. So I think it's, that's a great way to kind of get used to tournaments without the pressure of having to have a deck, uh, a pre-constructed deck. Um, and don't ever let, well, okay, I'm, I'm going off in all sorts of directions, so I'll try and stay focused here. Stay on target. Um, any, any thoughts about sealed versus other formats or anything we've talked about so far, Mike? Uh, well, yeah, you, you had already made it clear that sealed is the best way if you just want to get some cards and play with some cards and you don't want to have to go hunting for specific cards to put in a deck built to a specific constructed format. I mean, yeah, there ends up being a, a, a fair amount of luck um, injected into it, more so than usual. And you know, you might you might not uh, be too strong of a sealed deck builder. I know I'm not. I'm still not a very strong sealed deck builder. Um, but it's it's just a nice and, and simple way where you don't have to do any prep work ahead of time. And it helps you build your collection, if nothing else. So, mm-hmm. all right, um, awesome. So, kind of know what you're going into. And then if you know that you're going to a constructed event, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you need to test. I'm not going to tell you, you need to know the metagame. Um, all that depends on how much you want to get out of it. And especially for your first couple, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, very, very few people are going to live the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, 80s action movie dream where you're the best player in the world and you walk into the store and you win your first PTQ and you go and you win your first Pro Tour. I would love for that to happen. It's probably not going to happen to you just statistically. Um, so unless you really want to test your heart out, unless you want to analyze the metagame completely and figure out what everybody's going to play and, and spend literally hundreds of dollars on a deck or more depending on the format i would say um once you know what the format is and once you've got a deck together don't feel like you have to have the best deck although if you do great make sure that you're playing something that you enjoy to play 
I think that's very important, honestly, because if you're having a Mike and I talked about this a little bit before the tournament um, on Saturday, you will have a much better time. You'll generally do better. It's true. But you also just have a much better time if you're playing a deck that you enjoy. That may sound really basic. After all, you're playing Magic. Mm-hmm. Magic is a game. You should want to play it. But sometimes when we talk about tournaments, we get focused on the end result, winning, that we think about what is the best way to get there. All right, the best way to get there is with a deck that can beat these decks. And then you start thinking about the matchups, and before you know it, you're I mean, you're not really thinking about what you're playing anymore. You're thinking about the best deck, and there's a difference. Uh, the very first... FNM I ever went to, I brought my zombie deck. And I don't mean, you know, some crazy good zombie deck. I meant like the deck that I had that was beating everybody else casually because <laughs> it had, uh, who's that, you know, whenever a zombie comes in, all those zombies get minus one, minus Noxious one. Noxious Ghoul. It had Noxious Ghouls. It had oversold cemeteries. It was not that great, but that's okay. I had a great time with it. I knew how to play it. And even though the decks I was playing against I wasn't as familiar with, I actually ended up doing really well. I beat a Psychotog player because he wasn't expecting my deck at all. Uh, so, And that was kind of fun. Um, but I knew my deck, and I had a good time playing with it. And so, um, so like we said, know where you're going, know when you're going, and know what you're playing. Mm-hmm. Because there's also there's a big difference between – Standard, for example, and modern versus legacy, sealed, draft, etc. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have as um, as free and easy uh, a view on some of the things that Brian talked about yet. When when you're talking about making the transition from from uh, kitchen table to tournament play, you know, yes, I'll I'll agree that um, play something you know, play something you like, but you you do need to pay some attention, read a little bit, do some thinking about what's what's going on, um, unless unless you do, you know. Otherwise, you're you're going to be very surprised and very uh, disappointed at at what happens if if you're not thinking about that. I mean, at the very least, if you put some thought into what's going on and you're aware of what other people are playing. You won't uh, you won't be surprised when you get into a into a bad matchup or a matchup where some of the cards in your deck just aren't um, just just aren't helpful and you can see that there are better there's better stuff out there. My my wake up call was for for this in particular that I'm not sure that I'm communicating very well right now. My wake up call was for a Star City Open that I went to uh, in Richmond several years back, and I had basically put together a standard version of an Esper colored artifact deck that I had been playing, uh, casually with, you know, just around the table with some of my friends. It was something that I had used to do for FNMs back around my hometown a lot. I'd just take a casual deck and make some changes and suddenly it's standard. Um, and I did horribly, like really horribly. And I could tell that the cards that were in my deck just weren't good. There were so many other better choices. The the cards in more professional versions of the deck that I'd purposefully, you know, chosen not to play because I didn't feel like going to get them would have been much better choices than a lot of the stuff I had in there. And it and it bugged me and it really showed me that if I had if I had spent more time thinking about it and understanding, you know, uh, the format and some of the card choices, then at least I wouldn't have been 
surprised uh, when it happened to me. You know, I, I just kind of I, I came in there with the expectation that I was going to do a whole lot better than I was, which goes back to something that Brian brought up at the very beginning of our conversation. I didn't have it in my head right. I didn't have the right expectations for for how I was going to do because I just didn't come prepared uh, mentally with information about the format. I, I, I still don't know if I'm communicating this well. No, you are, you are. You, you are. And I, I definitely take your point. I don't completely disagree with you. You're saying don't be completely oblivious to right. what other people are playing. Don't be underprepared. That's fine. And I don't disagree with that. And I'm not saying that, oh, you need to lose X number of tournaments before you can start taking it seriously. If you want to take <laughs> it seriously from the beginning, that's fine. I'm just saying that while you shouldn't expect to necessarily lose when you come in, you should be realistic about it at least. And I've, I would say the best way you can learn about what other people are playing, the best way you can learn about what types of deck you like to play is firsthand knowledge versus trying to read all the, all the articles and get up on all the information. While that is very helpful, and there are some people that do very well with that, um, I think when you're when you're just starting out and you're coming from a casual environment, so you're not mm-hmm. coming from you know the core groups of people that play and test together and you know uh, team channel fireball and that sort of thing. Then I think you need to go in with the understanding that it might take you a while to kind of get your feet wet. And for the first couple times, don't be so concerned with having the optimal thing that you lose sight of why you're playing in a tournament. In the first place, which would be hopefully, first of all, to have a good time, and then second of all, hopefully, to to do well and to express yourself in this different way. But ultimately, I think what that what that kind of comes back to is not only should you have realistic goals, but you kind of need to know what some of your goals are because what you and I'm pointing to everybody out there, what you hope to get to hope to get out of a tournament may be very different than what I hope to get out of a tournament. Just like everybody has something they hope to get out of a casual game. You have some people in a casual game that are doing that feel just great about a game as long as they knock at least one other person out. You have other people that say, as long as I last X number of turns, or as long as I get to assemble my combo, and then if you stop me, that's fine, I got to do it. And then other people say, I need to win at least one game occasionally, that's why I enjoy playing. So even in the casual community, and we are certainly not all the same person, there are multitude of reasons to play. That doesn't stop when it comes to tournaments, people play tournaments for all sorts of reasons. Uh, yeah. You might think that everybody is there to get on the pro tour, and I'm sure very few people would turn it down if given the chance. But everyone comes to that PTQ or that Grand Prix for slightly different reasons and with slightly different expectations for themselves and with slightly different hopes for themselves. So um, I, I would not be completely ignorant but I wouldn't feel bad about misjudging things, at least for a while, the first time, couple times, and hopefully learning from that. If you want to continue to play in tournaments and you have certain goals for yourself involving advancing along those tracks, 
or if you determine which formats you like, etc., then hopefully then you take the steps that are appropriate. I do think you shouldn't sell yourself short. Mike Mike kind of alluded to this when he was talking about you know some of the choices he had for his deck were not optimal, and if he'd played other ones, he would have done better. Um, when I was getting ready for this tournament for a while, I had uh, in the deck Zerta Druids, and I love Zerta Druids for a red and a green. One one tap it, add a green to your mana pool. It deals one damage to each opponent. Even in a duel, that can actually add up. And I was running and I'm running them out there on turn two all the time, but I eventually replaced them with um, Sylvan Carriages, which I actually did have to go out and trade for from a store. So it's an essence purchase, but be, that's honestly because they do a lot more for my deck. You lose the damage, but they're a little easier to cast, and they fix your mana so much more efficiently. Plus, unless they're um, playing a sweeper, they can't get rid of them, so it's effectively a, a, the best rampant growth ever because it's a rampant growth for... Um, uh, a multi-land. Uh, and so by choosing that card over the card that I was originally running, it made the deck run that much smoother, and it honestly just was a better card than what I was doing. Now, something to bear in mind from Brian's verbose response to Mike's <laughs> Mike thing, I think uh, a nice uh, way to look at it, Brian is saying you don't have to kill yourself with research to have fun, you know, just go and play whatever. Mm-hmm. Mike is saying, don't go in completely blind, because then when someone smacks you in the head with a fish when you're not looking, you're going to be really pissed off and disappointed. Yeah, Especially if it's happening over and over. Yeah. Yeah. So... And that, that's a good way to boil, like, you know, 25 minutes worth of words, especially, and like Mike's <laughs> two minutes worth of words. Well, especially, to- like, I wanted to, to be sure to illustrate the two, uh, both of your points side by side, uh, because Mike is one who lets his like if Mike gets beaten, Mike doesn't care. Mike's like, well, he beat me. But if Mike gets beaten because Mike screwed up, Mike is pissed. Oh God, that makes me so mad. Like, like, <laughs> and I'm not just, like if Mike makes a gameplay error and it causes him to lose, Mike will kick himself for a while. If Mike makes a deck building error or deck choice error or just screw it, I'll just play this, and that causes him to lose. He hates it bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just feel like such an idiot. It's awful. Whereas Brian, um, I think Brian takes that more in stride. Like, he hates it too, but he doesn't stand there and keep kicking himself. Brian takes, oh, well, I screwed up, more in stride with, oh, well, he beat me. You know. That has been a long road for me. True. But I think Mike <laughs> mentioned that he had his epiphany. Uh, I kind of had my epiphany not in playing tournaments but there was a certain point when we were playing casually and i felt so frustrated because i wasn't playing the decks that i wanted to play i wasn't able to do well with them i felt like everybody else's decks were better than mine and i found myself getting so emotionally invested in it i think everybody gets emotionally invested in the game after a while but i mean in the outcome at the kitchen table that I was like, at one point I stopped and I saw myself and I said, you need to have fun with this. So I, and I, that doing it there, it has crossed into my tournament playing a little bit. And sometimes it hurts me and sometimes it helps me. Um, if we're going to keep using real world examples, if you'll turn to the illustration on page two, um, at the tournament on Saturday, uh, 
my first round opponent was against a white blue control deck and Mike saw the end of this uh, round because he was done with his round already and um, he won the first game because I conceded he basically was able he played a detention sphere and they played another detention sphere and they wiped the board and then I uh, removed a detention sphere with Unravel the Aether and he eventually got it back and um Eventually, after like mm, tw- oh, probably over twenty turns, he drew an Elspeth, and I knew at that point the writing was on the wall. Knowing what I had in my hand, knowing what was coming up, and I thought to myself, I want to have a little more time for the next round. I waited until he was in a lethal position, and I went ahead and and called it, and then I won the second game in like no time. I went, you know, turn turn. For turn his turn three, he tapped out to play divination, and I'm like, woohoo! Turn four, storm breath dragon, thanks to a man accelerant, and he's like, oh, I guess he he might have had a detention sphere or something, maybe an Azorius charm, maybe both in his hand, and he thought he'd be safe. He sw- swing in for for four. Next turn, he does something else. I play a Xenagos and swing in for eight, and he's like, oh, and there was no way for him to come back, and so. Um, at that point, there was like 15 minutes left in the round right before I finished beating him. We go into the last game with maybe 10 minutes left in the round, and I did not want for him to lose, as strange as that sounds, I didn't want him to lose just because we ran out of time, nor did I want to be in a position where because we were paying, I was playing so slowly against the control deck that I could not win. Um, so as a result... The result of this whole thing is I made some errors, and Mike pointed them out to me earlier. One of the most glaring was after I had a Chandra on the board, and he had an Elspeth, and after he knocked it down to one to kill all the big creatures on the board, I could have then dealt one to Elspeth and one to a soldier, and for whatever reason, I was thinking at that time that her first ability was the much more limited one to a creature or one to a player and not one to a player and a creature it controls. So um, I missed that. And there were other errors that I made along the day, but ultimately, I, you know, and Mike pointed that to, out to me, and it bothered me a little bit. It did, because it was a first-round loss, and it was, I had a better opportunity, but ultimately I just kind of wanted to put it behind me. I did not want to go on tilt, which is a phrase that we'll come back to, I didn't want it to so throw me down that I couldn't kind of get back up again. I just started thinking about the next round. And part of that was for my own health. And part of that was practical because I was the last game going and I had no choice but to de-sideboard and go to the next round. Um, but I tried not to let it affect me. And I played a little better. In the I, I lost the first two rounds. And then the, I won the two rounds after that. And I had a decent showing in that last round against the mono red deck i did i actually did the best i i did the best i could and i made the right sideboarding decision so i'm i'm proud of how i did i didn't end up with a winning record but um i did not try i tried not to let the mistakes i made earlier get to me too badly is pretty much where i was going with that (laughs) everybody and and that is not to say i'm a better player than mike and that's not to say that my mistakes don't mean as much as mike's uh, it just means that everyone responds to diff- to things differently, you know? So I respond very differently to 
coconut and pineapple than everybody else does because I hate stupid tropical fruit. <laughs> Should we back yet? Yeah. Uh, okay, just making sure. So yeah, so there's another thing that goes back to our main point about you know mental preparation. Yeah. So you know where you're going. You know when you're going. Hopefully you also have the date right. Uh, you know what you're playing. It's always a good idea to go with friends. You can try and go by yourself. There's no problem with that. If you're the only one in your group that wants to give this a shot, don't wait around for them forever because some people are just not going to be interested in it. Hi. It's just not their thing. <laughs> Dirk, for example. Dirk oh, will play yeah. it pretty you know, when he can, but he, every... I don't think I've ever seen him at anything more than a pre-release, and that's fine. That's maybe like do. back in college, but maybe. That was yeah. it. <laughs> um, so, uh, and that's what he plays. So, don't feel like you have to wait for them. But if you can go with friends, do it because then it's more people you know, and time between rounds will will be that much more awesome. And sometimes r- time between rounds, you're just like. Uh, Bless you. Sometimes uh, time between rounds is actually the worst place ever. Yeah. Um, when you get there, I'm you know I'm not saying check out the competition or anything like that. What I would say is the very first thing you do, especially if if it's one of the first times you've been to a tournament, find out who's enforcing the rules. If you're going to a higher level tournament like a pro tour qualifier or like a grand prix. You know, you're going to see judges, and they'll be wearing judge shirts. And there'll going, be announcements and stuff. If you're going to an F&M, or even the IQ that Mike and I went to, um, judges were not wearing shirts. So you kind of need to know. <laughs> they weren't wearing judge shirts. They weren't wearing, okay, I should that. Nah. They were definitely wearing shirts. Uh, this was still during Snowpocalypse. Um, so... I, I mean, especially, I'm not saying you're a newer player. A lot of the people that have been playing casually have been playing casually for a while. But it's good to know who's going to enforce the rules. Or if I've got a question, who do I call on? This is a very important resource. So find out who's going to, who you can ask questions to, who's going to be enforcing the rules. Also find out where the bathroom is. Yes. That sounds silly, but do it. And, you know, if we're talking preparation, if you're just going for F&M, and you don't know how long it is, like, bring a snack. Like, if you're going to a PTQ for the first time, bring something to eat. Yeah. You Plan actually, for the long haul, because you never know. That F&M might start at 5, and there might be a gazillion people that showed up this week for unknown reasons, and it's not going to be over till like, 10. And you're going to get hungry, because you came straight from work. You're still in your suit, Mike. Yeah. You actually, you actually hit on something that I didn't have in my notes for another thirty-five minutes and ten seconds. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I'm just completely making that. But I actually did have a note that I wanted to talk about it: time and number of rounds. This is not the sort of thing you always know ahead of time. When Mike and I went to the IQ, it was five rounds. It could have been a lot more than that had a lot more people shown up. You have magic events. They can be eight, nine, ten rounds. If you go to a Star City Open, you should probably play it on ten rounds. I want to caution you, especially if you haven't been to a lot of tournaments before. Endurance is something that I do think you build up. Now I look at those sorts of events a lot differently than I did two or three years ago. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying I'm a lot better than I, I was then. I just think I've kind of adapted. I've been to several opens. I've been to a Grand Prix. I've, I've been to uh, those types of events more frequently, which is still not as frequently as some people, but more than I used to. There is a huge difference between a three or four round um, pre-release and eight or nine rounds. And it sounds simple. A lot of things that we're talking about sound simple on their face, but uh, you just don't know until you do it. The mental exhaustion, the physical exhaustion, having to try and find the time for food, realizing three, uh, three rounds in that you haven't had a break to even get lunch yet, you know, those sorts of things. Oh, and I am, I've been doing this a long time and I'm still the worst about remembering to bring food, meaning I don't. <laughs> And you still have to even then find the time to to eat the food because sometimes your rounds are going to time every time. So yeah, part of that like, is luck. Like one one thing that happened to me at at GP Charlotte, and and I don't know if this had an effect on the final result, but you know, uh, there there came a point where after five rounds, where I was just like, uh, I was not feeling good. I mean, the tournament started three hours late, and anyway, and so five rounds later. Um, I think I had gotten something to eat. I don't know, but I was really thirsty. And I was, I just made myself go to the line for the lemonade stand to get a lemonade. And the line took so long and the round was called while I was still buying my lemonade. And I had to rush back to the seat and I was just fragile and I was carrying around all this crap that I really should have just left in the hotel room. And it was that round where I just lost the rest of the day. <coughs> And I think part of it might have had to do with just how bad and frazzled and awful I, f- I felt from the from the five rounds of hard playing. Because, you know, I, I know there are a bunch of you out there who have spent entire days sitting around, screwing around, playing magic with your friends. But there's a difference between spending a Saturday playing magic at the kitchen table and spending eight hours playing magic really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like really hard. Yeah. Even if you're having a great time, even if you're trying not to take it too seriously, I I mentioned, you know, there's no barrier for these sorts of things. Unless you're going to a, the World Cup or a Pro Tour, they won't turn you away. There's no requisite that you go to X number of tournaments before you go to a larger tournament. With that being said... <laughs> there kind of is. <laughs> for your own health, I would say, you know, if if the next event coming up is a Grand Prix and you want to go give it a shot, that's fine. But just be realistic about it and just understand that it's going to be an incredibly long day. And even if you feel like you're a very accomplished Magic player, just like Mike said, there's a big difference between sitting around with your friends. I wouldn't say that the difficulty is necessarily higher playing casual because I've been in some very intense casual games, but they were there with friends. We're lounging around. I can get up and go to the bathroom anytime I want. I can get a snack whenever I want. And <laughs> yeah, you can while you're while you're digging around in the fridge, you can yell, "I block with worm coil engine." <laughs> there are any elves there? I want to do them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, and then as opposed to you know sitting at a table across from someone who may ver- be very focused on winning and and um, you have to pay attention to what's going on and try and figure out what's going to be the best way to come out of this and and having to do that for six seven eight rounds in a row will definitely get to you so um, 
go have have you'll you'll never go to a pre a, a grand prix until you go to one. So I'm not saying don't go, but just kind of go in with that in mind. Um, and I do think you you might have a better time if you're going to one that's only three or four rounds to begin with. Something you're more familiar with or comfortable with. Yeah. Now, we, we've thrown a lot of information at you, and we're not done yet. But this is all us going way too deep. Like, that's that's something to keep in mind. We're not trying to scare you away. Like, Jesus, you got to know all this? Just No, you don't. We're just throwing out every eventuality from personal experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's when we, for every topic we hit on, a bunch of stuff rushes to our minds because we've been playing for forever. So we have a lot of experiences built up around these things. Yeah. And really, you know, it's still, you know, we, we keep, we keep coming back around to this, to this central theme of if you can mentally prepare yourself, you're going to be good. The key is to, to get, to get ready and and to understand, you know, what kinds of things you're going to have to, uh, what kinds of things that are going to happen and and um, how you might be able to deal with them, so that you know these aren't tips for winning the whole thing. <laughs> these are tips for going out and 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 having a good time, or at the or at the very least, having a time that doesn't suck and makes you feel like ass at the end. Right. Like we're just trying to help you because what we're trying to get you to do here, or what we're trying to help you do is try new things. Yeah. And trying new things is awful. <laughs> it, it it can suck pretty hard. Trying new things is the worst. Why would I try something new when I have all this stuff I already know? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and I understand that. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But, but it can be awesome. It can but, be awesome. Hey, you but, guys remember when I was like, hey, let's do a podcast. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to do that. That's work. <laughs> worst decision ever. <laughs> Um, but uh, let's 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 take a break for a second. Sure. Uh, regroup, and we'll come back. Eventually, we're gonna get to the whole you know acquiring cards thing. I promise. Right? We are, aren't we? Maybe. Okay, maybe. Awesome. It depends on what Brian has in his notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, in twelve and a half minutes and and thirty two seconds. <laughs> so uh, since what we're doing here is this bizarre mashup of uh, casual people and tournament, uh, t- the casual life and the, the tournament life. Uh, I figure I'd throw a bizarre mashup in here. Uh, this is It's Fun to Be Young at the YMCA uh, hmm. by DJ Lobster Dust. It's a mashup of uh, the the song by Fun, uh, What We Are Young, is that the name of the song? Yes. And uh, YMCA by the Village People, and it's freaking brilliant. So here's a section of that, and we'll be right back. Closes and you feel like falling down. I'll carry you home. Young man. <laughs> anyway, I wonder what part I used. <laughs> hmm. This is the problem with recording in the past. I'll have to see how much of it I can find. Like, to find the most awesome part. You guys don't appreciate, you guys being the listeners, don't appreciate how long I sometimes spend listening to songs 
the hill over and over and over and over again, trying to find like the right 30 seconds. <laughs> I don't know if appreciate is the right word. I'd say they probably don't know how often That's that true. you spend on it. And therefore, you don't appreciate it, you <laughs> bastards. <laughs> I am here to offend you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going back to whatever we were talking about, I don't even remember now. Something about the air so, conditioning is finally on. Thank God. So know where you're going. Know what you're going to be doing. Know when you should get there. Uh, know how you're going to get there, I guess. But I don't think we really need to give a lecture on taking a plane versus driving. Know what you're taking with you. Yeah. Part of that is, oh, yeah. you know, are you uh, – and, and this goes for sealed uh, and, and draft decks as well. Do you bring in sleeves? Some people, I feel like I play better with sleeves. Part of it is probably psychological. Part of it is probably, you know, uh, who's a dragon shield that makes the sleeves. They probably implanted subliminal messages in my mind. But Part of I it just... might be. I noticed that the pre-release, I seem to be having major land clump problems. And this might have been psychological, but the freaking, uh, by the way, pre-releases are clearly the best places to go first and oh, get yeah. I mean... the initial tournament I, things. So... I am working under the assumption, and this might be faulty, that... Even die-hard casual players will venture out of their caves. I mean, their basement. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. Wait, I can offend people, too. Didn't Bud uh, say he went to the Born of the Gods pre-release as his first one? Was that his first one? Bud, answer me. <laughs> but I'm, I'm working with the assumption that uh, just about everybody has been to a pre-release. If you haven't, oh, my God, you need to stop what you're doing and then wait <laughs> for three months. For the next one, you really should go there. They are they are the best blend you can possibly get of casual and tournaments. I would it, it takes a lot for me to miss a pre-release. So I'm I'm thinking about things that are a little more are kind of like the next step up. Yeah. But anyway, so what I'm saying, I noticed I seem to be having major land clump issues. I don't know if it was psychological or not, but I noticed all of my non-lands were shiny new, fresh out of the pack cards, and all my lands were old as hell, freaking Lucky's leftover old lands. And so I started doing a pile shuffle every time I wanted to shuffle, and I had less problems. Well, now they're Randy's leftover old lands. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure Lucky just left them there because nobody wants that crap. That's, some of them, some of them still have uh, proxy writing on the back of them. On the wow. back, yeah, I saw yeah, that. yeah. Every once in a while, you'll you'll <laughs> you know you'll draw a card, and then you'll notice the top card of your deck says you know Stoneforge Mystic. I'm like, I don't think that's what that is. <laughs> It's the alternate art, man. Judge. <laughs> but uh, something that Mike said earlier, something Brian just said is very important, that I don't think this is what Brian meant, but what you're taking with you. At GP Charlotte, Mike was carrying around 16 tons I, of crap. I was about to get to that. I figured oh, okay. I would start with, you know, yeah, just the simple stuff like bring, even if you don't think you have to bring anything for a sealed tournament, sleeves... I mean, even if you don't want to use them, you should think about it and think about, like, you know, what you're going to write your life total down. And we've and talked about thinking about snacks. What you're going to do with the other cards. That's right. always a thing. And, like, and as well when as... When I went to uh, the pre-release, I left at the last minute because I missed the Theros pre-release and, like, on purpose. And my brain still wasn't in gear for wanting to go to the Born of the Gods pre-release. So I sat here on my computer screwing around for way too long, and I looked at the time, I was like, crap! I jumped up, took a shower, important lesson, kids. And then I grabbed a fat pack box and a playmat and 
a little, grab a life pad and a life pad and ran out the door. Like, that's what I grabbed. And that's, for me, was the bare necessities, because that's something to put your cards in, something to write your life total down on, and I always, I have a playmat now, so I might as well freaking use it. Mm. <laughs> and then, obviously, if we go into a constructed event, you know, that plus your deck. But think about then where are you going? Are you going to your local store? Are you going with your friends? That's a big one. Uh, are you thinking there's a chance, hopefully you're going to do well, but are you just going to be with your friends, like Chewy at some of these events? Or, um, uh, or you know, so think about that, because you might want to bring some EDH decks if you're thinking you're going to play Constructed for a while and then play some EDH. Uh, but if you're going to a larger event and you're hoping to do well, you don't want to be carrying around a bunch of stuff. And this is what Mike talked about and Chewie was starting to get into is it might – I was a Cub Scout. I got my Arab light. I would have been a Boy Scout. And the motto is always be prepared. Well, it's not the army. You don't need to have like 50 packs of rations on you. You need to be prepared. But there's a certain point at which, especially over like 10 hours, you don't want to be hauling crap around that you're not going to use. It gets heavy. It kind of, you have to keep an eye on it because people, things get misplaced at some of these events, unfortunately. Primarily but, bigger ones. Don't go scaring people. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm using the word misplaced it, both in, in implied meaning and in literal meaning. Sometimes people just lose stuff. No, that's true. So you Who's need to. heck is this? You need to keep an eye on it. Uh, especially, you know, the cards you're not playing with. So. Having a bunch of those is not going to be really conducive toward focusing on why you're there and and uh, having a good time. Mike, uh, yeah, this this <laughs> has been a constant bad habit for me carrying around way more crap than is necessary, and I I still have no idea why I was carrying around all that stuff at GP Charlotte. Like, you know, I I had I had my trade stuff, which means I had all my uh, all of my rare binders, you know, in a shoulder bag. And I also had a big metal box that was full of just decks. It's like commander decks and 60 card decks and everything. And, was, and, you know, several hours into the day, I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm playing in a sealed tournament. You know, half these rounds are going to time anyway. You know, I don't have time in between rounds to do anything. And gosh, I just. <laughs> and for most like, of the by, by, by the end of the day, I didn't want to kill myself as in, like, kill myself. I wanted to kill myself as in, I wanted to go out there and find myself and kill that jackass. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> it's not like you were sitting on the sides. For most of the day, you were doing really well. So it's Yeah, I was, like, I was I was 5-0 before that round where everything started going wrong. So it's not like you were just sitting on the side, you know, just playing... EDH or, or anything either. If that was the case, then all that stuff would have been fun. So I yes. guess that part of that if comes... I'm just spending the day hanging out, you know, like Chewie and I um, have done once or twice at uh, the Invitationals, then yeah, it makes perfect sense to carry around all that nonsense. But so, so what I would say is not necessarily don't bring a lot of stuff. What I would say is know what you're bringing and know why you're bringing it and be realistic about it. And part of that goes back to know what kind of tournament you're getting into because if you are going with your friends and if you do think there is a chance where you 
you maybe won't do as well. Not that you should expect that, but sometimes it happens. And you don't want to just sit there, you know, waiting on them to finish, uh, having nothing to do. It's not a bad idea to have them. Maybe, uh, depending on, are you staying at a hotel that's close to location? Are you going to have a car with you where you can store this sort of stuff? Just be aware of that. Yeah. So that you're not lugging it all around with you. Yeah. So... Like, Mike is bad about bringing too much. I'm sometimes bad about not bringing enough. So, eh. Now, um, moving on a little bit, something that is different, and we've kind of touched on this, between playing casually and playing in tournaments, is the time structure. And if you're, if you get up from the table during a casual event, and you have to go use the bathroom or whatever, and it comes back to your turn, everybody's going to stop and wait for you. In theory, or they'll take their, your turn for you, but you know, hopefully, you know that hopefully <laughs> everybody's okay with whatever. In a in a tournament setting, you know, time management is a lot more important. You have to make sure that you're in your seat when the match begins. You have to make sure you you're using your time well between rounds. Make sure that you get food and water and use the bathroom and that sort of thing. And you know, kind of thing. Are am I playing slowly? Are my matches going to time? How do I manage my time? Oh my god, it's three o'clock and I haven't had lunch yet. You know, you need to be thinking about these sorts of things. It's good to know where the food is, for example. But just in general, look at how you're using your time and uh, make sure that you're getting what you need. And make sure you are where you should be because nothing is worse than going to a tournament and losing for something that has nothing to do with how you're playing. Something like not being in the right seat at the right time <laughs> kind of stinks. Yeah, like if your first opponent seems really impatient and is kind of a jerk and keeps asking you to hurry up, that's one thing. But if the really nice guy is like, yo, dude, you know, you might want to pick it up a bit, you might want to pick it up a bit. <laughs> and if the third guy is saying it too, then it's your fault. <laughs> um, most deck, most, uh, tournaments that you go to, whether sealed or draft or constructed, will require deck registration, either from the deck that you bring or from the deck that you open and then pass or the ones that you get from somebody. Be careful when you fill them out. Chewy and Mike, how many times have you you seen somebody you're playing against or somebody sitting next to you at another tournament at the beginning of the second round or the third round get a game loss for a deck registration error. Because I probably couldn't count the number of times. And I, I hear Clues talk about this all the time. Deck registration errors are 100% preventable. It's all your fault. And they are the most completely worthless uh, uh, type of game loss you can get because all you had to do was slow down and pay attention. Like, the vast majority of them are just, whoops, I didn't do that right. Oh, game loss. Well, hey, dummy. And it doesn't sound too bad, but you think about it, there's a lot of bad things you can do in a tournament and a lot of mistakes you can make that will just result in, like, a warning. You know, oh, you, you played a sorcery as an instant, you know, something like that. I, I did that at GP Charlotte toward the very end of the day when I was very tired and it was day two. And uh, the judge was watching. He's like, yeah, you, you did that. I was like, oh, shoot. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'm giving you a warning and wrote it on the thing. And But a, a game loss... For writing one thing down wrong on a sheet of paper, that's pretty rough. Yeah, and, and part of the reason is that um, problems with a deck list 
is is a really easy way to hide uh, cheating, and it's, and it's really hard to detect whether or not it actually is cheating. So that's well, why that's why deck deckless error is is a game loss. And I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that take that into consideration. You know, that's a that's that's not something you want to have happen to you. That's going to make you feel pretty bad. So. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, from here on out, I'm, I'm happy to discuss anything else these guys have in mind, but you show up at the place, you, hopefully you know where you're going, you know what you're playing, you know who you're there with, and you have some sense of how the day's gonna go, and then just throw yourself into it. I mean, it's your first time, second time, you know, the whole reason that we're talking about this is, because some people have not done it before, you're not going to have all the answers right away. We're not going to give you all the answers today. You just have to have to do it. So go and have a good time. It's not for lack of trying, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see- notice, notice again that even though we've mentioned some of these things uh, in passing, we still haven't talked in any technical detail about um, trading for cards, researching a metagame, building a deck... And, and other, uh, and other stuff like that. You know, the, the core of making this transition from, from the, from the kitchen table to the tournament scene is to, is to mentally prepare yourself for a very different environment and a very different mindset that you have to be in mm-hmm. when, when you approach the event. I really feel like, and, and again, this might be a difference between Mike and myself, and I don't disagree. I think that mental preparation is important. And I've, I've, um, there are all sorts of things that go into preparation, not just preparing your deck, but preparing yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's all the things we've talked about. Um, and I do think that that is very important, but there's a certain point at which you just have to get your feet wet. And you just have to say, I'm as raised as I'm going to be, uh, and just go out there and experience it for yourself. Yeah, and, and maybe and maybe I'm overplaying the point that I'm trying to make just to, just to make it clear. Like... Uh, Brian and I aren't, aren't disagreeing with each other on, on any of these points, but like Chewie ended up pointing out when he made his summary earlier, we're just coming at it from, from, uh, two different directions here. Right. And that's right. based on your separate personalities, which is yeah, why it's just, good that the two of you are discussing this. Yeah, yeah, this, this is just a difference in, in demeanor. Right. And, and we're not, you notice we're not actually disagreeing on a whole lot. This is just, a different approach, or if anything, sometimes we're saying the same thing, we're just saying it in different ways. Yeah. So, um, go, have a good time, prepare yourself at least so that you don't go and have a miserable time, but above all else, uh, try and be gracious about it, no matter how you do, and um, hopefully you'll have a good time and you want to do, go again. Yeah, and um, yeah, I- that's <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't know how to better to say that you know it, it might have sounded like I've been saying this whole time okay you got to get ready you got to get ready you got to get ready before you go but I'll I'll come back around to what Brian is saying and and make it clear how how well we agree on this point what I really should be saying is yeah go but be ready for what you might meet up with once you get there whether that's different people, the decks they're playing, their personalities, how w- well you're going to adjust. There's a lot of different things that you need to prepare for, and some of them have to do with cards, and some of them have nothing to do with cards whatsoever. Yeah, some of them just has to do with putting yourself out there and, you know, learning, getting your lessons from the school hard knocks. Right. 
And then others are like, know where the bathroom is. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like some of the stuff I've said is pretty obvious, but you really, I mean, you want to know what's going on. The problem with it being obvious is that you don't think about it because it's obvious. So you focus on, okay, is my deck ready? Okay, and I gotta be there at six o'clock, okay. And then you get there and you're, and that's when you forget the food, you know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. when you forget, oh, I don't know where to go pee in this place. I guess I'll just pee myself, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, are, are my lunch options really just like lemonade and dipping dots? There has to be something else around here. <laughs> what do you mean I can't buy this pizza? I bought this pizza the last time I was here. Oh, uh, pizza, oh my god. <laughs> Phantom Pizza. Phantom Pizza. Even worse than the Phantom Menace. The worst, was when they, the worst was when they, they literally changed the menu screen while we were waiting in line, and the, and the pizza disappeared from the menu screen. That was yeah. the worst. <laughs> no, well, the, I, I, what I don't like... This was like Charlotte, is, right? Yes. Yeah. What, I, what I really didn't like is when I ordered it while it was still on the screen, and they're like, oh, you can't get that. Yeah. <laughs> but... That's that's what I'm remembering. Yeah. So food. <laughs> yeah, it was still that's right, it was still up there. And they're like, um what? And we're like, it's right there. Like, oh. oh yeah, you can't get that. I was <laughs> like, Oh, that would be why it doesn't have a price. Although I'm still unclear as to why it's on the screen. <laughs> when I ordered it the last time I was there. But anyway, you know, so So yeah. But and then uh, um, you can read a hundred books on swimming but you have no idea what it's like to swim until you swim. So go do it. And for the record, I still can't swim. Really? Uh, yeah. Really? Huh. Why would I'm I? signing Sam up for lessons soon. You can, might. Can qualify. I go swim with Sam? It'd be. You might qualify for the butterfly. It would be uh, really hell if Sam were to just take off ahead of me. I'd be like, "Hey, you, the <laughs> cute one, <laughs> come back here." But so keep in mind again, we haven't mentioned anything about cards because what I thought this conversation was going to be about was how to go from all of your random casual nonsense to getting the cards to for a deck. So I get a feeling we'll do that very soon. Yeah, that that can be that can be its own conversation. Is that what you meant by that comment? Okay, okay. you made a comment about are we going to talk about that, and I thought you meant like just packing them up. I didn't know. <laughs> That, that, because, what see, you again, just talked this, about could be its own topic. Yeah, which, so. again, we'll have to do. If we don't do it next week, we'll do it very soon. But, uh, that's, that's another difference in personality. <laughs> Mike said earlier that when I do go to a constructed event, I usually do fairly well. And it's because I'm actually, it turns out, not so bad at magic. <laughs> but yeah. I just don't have the time or the resources or the interest in acquiring cards for a deck. So if Mike goes, hey, I gotta go do such and such this weekend, I can't go to this tournament, here's my deck, go play it, then I'm gonna be like, yeah. Yeah, or you found that, um, uh, sacrifice everything deck that was like really cheap and easy to put together. Yeah, the Kamikaze deck, I had most of it already, Mm -hmm. and I just ran out to Top Deck, Top Deck, yeah, Top Deck the night before. And borrowed a few things. I yeah, think you borrowed some stuff from me and Brian too. Yeah, and you made top eight with that deck, right? Yeah, at the yeah. PTQ. Which was at the oh yeah yeah the PTQ. Yeah, which is still my one claim to fame. <laughs> what have you done before? Well, I top eight at a PTQ once. Yes, <laughs> with an untested, unplayed deck because it looked awesome. Yes, <laughs> I I remember when uh, we went to the Dragon's Maze game day and I just handed you one of the standard decks that I had because I decided to play the other one and you did. 
significantly better than me. <laughs> oh yeah. But anyway, but so that'll be a uh, that'll be a future topic. Please don't let us forget. Hopefully we won't, because I'm gonna try to get these guys to want to talk about that next week. No promises. Sure. It's, you know, a day or two before we record, it'll be like, so what do we want to do this week? <laughs> it's actually been a while since we had a clear succession of topics from week to week. Yeah. Like this, a clear succession of related topics. Well, it uh, depends on whether or not we include the uh, old versus, old new, versus new. new. Okay. Eh. Uh, mm, that, that was just an extended feature series rather than a discussion topic. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a glitch. It was a feature. <laughs> so, hey, Mike. Yes. What with all of this talk, uh, why don't you tell us how you did at the SCGIQ? Now, anyone who's been to the website knows already because his deck list along with a quick discussion is there, but you got to tell us here. Right. Yeah. So there were, um, so, so Brian talked me into, uh, going up with him to the Star City Games Invitational Qualifier. Kicking and screaming. That was, go- <laughs> <laughs> that was going on down at, um, Gaming Underground, which, I realized I haven't been there in years. Like, I think the last time I was there was when you and me, Chewy, went to go just pop in to say hey to Chris. Or oh, something yeah. Like that. And that, that was the last time I'd been there. And before that, it had been multiple years since the last time I was in that shop. So I uh, I actually um, got turned the wrong way <laughs> on, on the way there, and I had to call Brian to help me out. Yep. Get me back going in the right direction. And um, calling Brian... Because you need directions is like you're yeah, in the quicksand and you're literally struggling for anything, <laughs> and you get the Twizzler and you're like, I guess this will do. So <laughs> I, I admit, when I was dialing the number, I'm like, well, I don't know whether he's still nearby, Carrie. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, Carrie is usually the one with the directions. Um, <laughs> he's gotten anyway. better over the years, though. I'm proud of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so I, I think there were a total of 30 people signed up. And so we ended up doing five rounds with a, with a cut to top eight. And uh, I'll say I got fortunate in some of my matchups that helped me uh, quite a bit, but I ended up going, um, three, one and one in the regular Swiss rounds. So I got my, the, the, the tie was an intentional draw to get into top eight. Um, Tyler had to explain it to me. I was actually matched up with Tyler in that last round, and he explained to me what the deal was and why uh, and why a top eight would lock us both and why a draw would lock us both into top eight. Um, so I did that, and I got to play a commander game with Brian. Um, the oh, word? Yeah. Almost to completion. Almost. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> I was like, attack, and Brian was like, no, and then Brian was going to win on the next turn, and then I had to go. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, and then I, I got knocked out in the first round of the top eight, and I ended up placing eighth after it was all over. But uh, my my first round was against Blue White Control, which is a very very favorable matchup for a Mazes End deck because by the time that Blue White Control is is finally ready to really get rolling and and get its uh, and, and get its mid game you know started, get one of its threats out and start doing things. At that point, a Maze's End deck, you know, it, my hand is full of cards, a lot of them being removal, and I'm only maybe like three or four turns away from just winning at most. You know, that's the kind of position I'm in once the blue-white control player finally gets to start going. And there were, I think the re, there were actually two Maze's End decks in the top eight, me and some other guy. Which is bizarre. 
Well, I think it's because Blue White Control has gotten uh, has become very popular lately. Blue White Control has 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 had a big resurgence lately. In the first round of this same tournament, and I played against the blue white deck, and I mentioned that earlier. What I didn't mention was that in the second round, I played against another blue white deck. Yeah, so, I played against blue white control in the in the first round. In the <coughs> oh, I can't remember if it was the third or fourth round, and then I think Tyler was also playing it. So if we had actually played, Tyler would have been screwed. So um, maybe that's why he wanted to draw. <laughs> oh, and then. I don't, I don't think Tyler knew what I was playing. And then Tyler got matched up against the other Mazes End deck when we started the top eight, and he got knocked out. Because <laughs> he was playing blue-white control. Dang it, man. But yeah, so that was the first round, and uh, one of the two games I won with um, Kiora Krakens. So that was cool. It's it's amazing uh, how little I end up using the minus one Kiora. Because the first one just ends up being so much more useful. Because basically everything that my removal has trouble dealing with either because it has protection or it's just naturally resistant to sorcery speed removal, you know, like Mutavolt or whatever. Kiora handles just like it were no thing with her, with her plus one. Did you actually and, get to lock down a Blood Baron at some point? No, I didn't see any Blood Baron. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sad that I didn't see any Blood Barons, but see, it would have been cool if I got I'm sad one. that you didn't get to lock one under Kiora because that would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so that was cool. The second round, I was matched up against, uh, Mono Black Devotion, which is difficult sometimes. If I don't get the right kind of, uh, removal, or if I get screwed out of a certain color of mana, then I'm just gonna lose against Mono Black Devotion. And, um, and, and that's what happened in, in both of the games in that round. And one of those games, I got Cure's Emblem, and then lost, because he was able to go up over my head with, uh, with the third gray merchant that he had drawn that game and burned me out for the rest of my life. Damn it, Gary. You're too yeah. good to be common. He's really, really good. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so, that, so that's a difficult matchup and sometimes it just doesn't go my way. So I wasn't too put out by that. Um, and then I just can't remember whether the third or fourth, my third and fourth rounds, one of them was another mono black devotion deck. I think that was your third round. Cause I saw that's the end third. of that one. Okay. Yeah. You had that pithing needle, and I was like, "Is that set to pack rat?" But it was set to mutavolt. Yeah, yeah, that that was um, nice. I can't remember if I won that one two zero or two one. But yeah, that that's uh, I won that match against Mono Black Devotion, and I did get um, the right kind of removal, and I didn't get screwed out of any colors. Uh, but yeah, at, at the beginning of the at the last game, um, you know, at the at my first opportunity, I just played. Uh, a pithing needle without having him, you know, he hadn't played any cards yet that game, and I just ran out the pithing needle, and I just said, you know, because I didn't want to get taken out of my hand by a thought seize, and I just said, you know, I looked at the removal that I was holding, and I said, mutavolt, you know, because I didn't want to get um, caught by it. And then, of course, on the next turn, he played a pack rat, and I had to deal with that, but but that's okay, because later in the game, when he played mutavolt, they couldn't get me. Um, ha! Ha! And it helped a lot. Yeah, and then um, in the, the fourth round was another blue-white control deck, and uh, and that went very well for me. He won the first game. Um, I think uh, uh, I just ruined too many lands and not the right kind of them. But um, the second and third games went really well, even though in, in both of them, on his turn three, he played 
a Brimoz, and I'm like, ah, kill it. Brimoz is almost as frightening as Packrat. And then for both of those games, he goes third turn, you know, Brimoz. Fourth turn, Brimoz, you know, after I killed it. <laughs> like, oh god. Thankfully, I wasn't able to, to let him get me. The and King he, of the Kitties. Yeah, in, in, in both of those games, in both of the second and third games also, near the end of it, he was, you know, there were, there were two turns in a row where he would play a huge Sphinx's Revelation and leave one mana open. And I could tell he was doing it because he wanted to, he was desperately trying to find a pithing needle that he could use to say mazes in, but he just wasn't able to do it. He'd be like, Sphinx's Revelation for six, and he'd leave one up, and he wouldn't draw the pithing needle, and he'd like, uh, discard some stuff, go. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I, I got, I got a little lucky there. Um, I think at the end of the third game, Brian asked me later about why I hadn't played the crackling perimeter in my hand, and uh, that had been in my hand for a while. And mm-hmm. basically, the reason was he was at he was at twenty six or more life because just stuff that had been going on. So it would have taken me quite a while to start winning with crackling perimeter at that point, and he hadn't seen one yet and he didn't know about it. So then, if he got a pithing needle and said Maze's End on the very next turn, I could just slam a crackling perimeter and start playing that game instead. Which is hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, um, in the first round of the top eight, my opponent was playing a, a, a red-green just kill you deck. Um, I don't know was whether... It, it, was it more aggressive or more monstrous? Like, what... Da, da, da. I guess just because of the nature of the threats, I would call it mid-range, because instead of just fast, 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 they were like big and efficient and resilient. You know, so like the um, the Fanatic of Xenagos mm-hmm. and Xenagos himself and Tommy Raid and further up the chain um, uh, Rurik Thar and Stormbreath Dragon and things like that. Oh, okay. There actually is a red-green mid-range, mid-range deck that's been tearing up the circuits lately, so... Okay. But yeah, and that that was really tough. Um, first game, I got totally screwed out of white mana, and that was part of why I lost. And the second game, I just sideboarded very, very inappropriately. For some reason, I didn't realize... Well, <coughs> because I hadn't played against that deck yet, I didn't re- actually know what I was playing against. And I took out my Merciless Evictions because I thought they would be too slow. And by the end of that second game, I felt like the biggest idiot in the world for not having Merciless Eviction in my deck. Biggest idiot in the world. Damn. Because it would have helped a lot. But yeah, but he beat me fair and square. And I think I had to mulligan to five <laughs> in that in in the second game as well. And it wasn't as as huge a disaster as I would have thought <laughs> after that. But oh well. Well, fair enough. Yeah, I had fun. <laughs> and I got a I got a play mat, and I got some packs, and I got a little top eight pin, and I got a free month of premium that I. Yeah, some guy who was flying around. I just I gave I, it to some guy who was standing near me and expressed interest. And he was like, "Really?" And I'm like, uh, "Yes, really. You, you can have this." <laughs> <laughs> if if I known you were interested, I would have brought the other one or two that I I'm still looking, have lying around the apartment. I'm looking at my free month of premium right here, along with my um, Primeval Titan from from Charlotte. Last uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I still have that one somewhere. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. But yeah, had fun. I'm glad you. I'm glad you came to support me. I'm glad you did much better than I did. 
I'm glad you went out and got us Taco Bell. I forgot to pay you back for that. We never got around to that. Dang yeah, it, man. Carrie won't let me forget. So Yeah, I still owe him $25. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> um, so, Brian, you told us all about your deck last week. How how did it do? Like, we know what your record was, but, like, how yeah. it, it was 2-3, and three, right? It was 2-3, and three, but honestly, I had a good time, and some. I'm not saying that if I had been playing correctly, my opponents would have lost, because that's not giving them enough credit. But I was very happy with how it played, and I had I wanted a deck that had big moments. And that's exactly what I had. I gave the list last time. The only thing I really changed was I took out Elvish Mystics, and I um, upped the... Uh, I, I put in Coursers of Crufix because they are awesome and they were the right move every time. And um, I did add in a Whip of Erebos, as Mike suggested. And the rest of this... And there was a main deck to unravel the Aether. And uh, it was pretty good. One suggestion that Mike made later that I wish I had done was having... I had three miscutter Hydras in the sideboard, and I wish they had been in the main deck, because first round I played against white-blue. Second round I played against white-blue. Third round, the first round that I won, I played against mono-blue. Fourth round, the round that I... The next round that I won, I played against mono-black, and I won that one anyway. In the last round, I played against mono-red, so eh. Uh, or red-black. So, the miscutter Hydra, I mean, you know... It has haste, and I had had them in the main deck originally, and then I put them in the sideboard so I could put in more neat stuff, and that's all well and good, but sometimes you just want a hasty X, X guy. So, uh, but the sideboard, I remember I did not talk about the sideboard last time. Three miscutter mis- hydras, two pithing needles, um, which definitely did some work. Uh, second round, uh, playing against white blue, I went ahead and ran them out there. The first one was for, um, Elspeth, and the second one was for Jace, Architect of Thought. And then he killed me with an Aetherling. And I'm like, aw. But every single one that I, I named, you know, I had a good reason for naming. Two Ratchet Bombs, two Thought Seizes, three Bile Blights, which were really, 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 really nice. Uh, two Deathrite Shamans, which probably got more, you know, curses from the control players than anything else. Literally, when I played one early in the second game of the first round, my opponent countered it, and he's like, holy cow, I forgot that was in standard. And this was right <laughs> after they had banned it in modern, and he's like, I forgot that was even there. Quick, can't, can't counter that, because that would have just killed him. Wait, which one? Deathrite Shaman. Oh, Deathrite Shaman. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, against the white-blue player would have just destroyed him. And then one copy in the sideboard of Havoc Festival, because... Because, oh, yeah. Because it creates a tremendous clock that they cannot Sphinx's revelation out of. And I ended up not sideboarding it in, because it was never the right time, and if I was going to go back and play it, I'd probably put in something more... Realistic, I guess, but I liked that it was there. Um, having Rurikthars in the main board was really key because people kind of thought that it, you know, oh, they're not playing that main deck, and I'm like, it's a 6-6 six, six for 6 with reach and kills you when you play anything. So, overall, I was really happy with it. I'm gonna, I've got the list here, it's just not typed up, but I have it written in pen, and I'll get that to Chewy so it can be in the show notes. Well no, it'll be a post on the site. 
It'll be a post on the site. Look at that. Going places. <laughs> like the website. Like the website. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will say, one of the more controversial picks of the deck was having two copies of Rakdos Lord of Riots in it, just because it is hard to make it work. And I did sideboard it out sometimes against the mono black deck. It was pretty interesting that in the first game, I kept a five land hand because it, it had three temples in it. And then it had, um, a sire of insanity and it had something, um, like an unravel the aether. And it was probably a bad hand, but I figured, yeah, I'll go ahead. Uh, he's on the play. He goes, turn one thought sees. And he sees <laughs> this and he's like, um, discard the, the sire of insanity. And then I managed to draw the whip. And I played Whip, <laughs> and he's taken some early damage. He, I don't think he's played like Gray Merchant yet, and he's got he's been playing some uh, Heralds of um, Heralds of Torment. So his his life is down a little bit at a time. And I've got a Mogus out, so he's taking taking some damage. And um, on my turn, I'm like, all right, I've got nothing better to do. I'm gonna go ahead and activate the Whip and. Get the, uh, Siren Sanity out, attack for six with lifelink, and then I'm just gonna discard my hand, and what's in my hand, but a Rakdos Lord of Riots, and, um, a Rurik Thar. So I got to bash in for six the next two turns in a row, and when I play, when I got out the, uh, Rakdos, it was because he had left back a Herald of Torment, and he was at three life, and I'm like, bring him back swing, he's like, block, and I'm like, Rakdos has trample, and he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. He only costs four, but he's a six six with flying and trample with a ridiculous, you know. Oh, but look, I didn't cast him, so woo. So, <laughs> so I love, I loved the whole deck. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. The whole deck was full of like just big, like bam, hit the table, make a visible impact on the table sort of moments, and that was great. And I may not have won, but I had a great time. And if I was going to go to FNM, I would probably bring this deck or something very close to it and hopefully maybe do a little better because I'm a little more familiar with, you know, how Chandra works and wh- how I should sideboard and things like that. Sweet. So uh, how I did at the SCGIQ was not. I stayed home and actually went outside for the first time on Saturday because <coughs> I got sick and died. But there's some of that going around. There is. It's all over work now, and they're all looking at me. I'm like, none of you people are coughing the way I was, so I don't want to hear it. Anybody got a really bad fever? No? Eat me. Trying to blame me for stuff just because I'm, you know, the plague factory. <laughs> See? I got Brian sick over the internet. <laughs> I, I've been fighting a cold for a little while, and then over the weekend, especially on Sunday, it, like, cranked up to 11, so... But oh well. So are we done then, gentlemen? I think so. Yeah, probably. Sweet. So I guess... Yeah, I can't think of anything else. So I guess final thoughts, Mike. Final thoughts. Um, Thanks again, uh, JT, for the discussion topic, even though we were (laughs) uh, over a year after you first suggested it. But that didn't take away any of its um, usefulness or interest. Um, it wasn't over yeah, a I mean, year, was it? Huh? He said 2012. 
Holy yeah, crap. Yeah, the, the post is dated sep- late September 2012. So there you go, listeners. We'll get to it eventually. <laughs> no, no, don't make promises we can't keep. There you go, <laughs> listeners. We don't listen. <laughs> I'm here to well, That's why they're the listeners and we're not. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think I think all of my related thoughts on this topic I I might have already said, and I don't have any other <laughs> unrelated thoughts right now. So so that's it for me. Fair enough. What you got, B? I'd love to give you a thought out, final thought, but I'm a little under the weather. I've got a big trial tomorrow, uh, so I'm gonna say um, okay. Yeah, that's all I got. Fair enough. Go play tournaments. They're awesome. It's true. Uh, as for me, I actually have a little bit. Uh, so let's see. First off, uh, there's been a fair amount of content going up on themanapool.com here lately. I've got... Let's see here. Fair amount to means more than one thing a week. Exactly. Well, th- dude, even for one week, this has been a lot. So yeah. on Sunday, right? Sunday? Yeah. I put up episode 312. On Monday, I put up Mike's Maze's End deck, which everyone should go check out. On Tuesday, which I guess would be yesterday. Yesterday. I put up uh, a guest article by Matt Bowlby, who is Stacko Pancake on uh, Twitter. And it's, it's a, a, a relatively short uh, write-up that he did here about why magic is more than just a game. Was this the thing that like got lost in your email for a number of months? Uh, in my Facebook inbox, it turns out. Oh. I thought it was in my email. That's why I never found it. Uh-huh. So, yeah. It's uh, it's good. I like it. Uh, he, I asked him what I should call it. He said, call it uh, Family in the Pool. I was like, all right. <laughs> Let's just not question it too deeply. But once you read it, that'll make sense. So I highly recommend everyone go check that out. It's uh, Like I said, it's short. And to the point, and well-written, and I appreciate it very much from Matt. And at some point this week, if Brian will, you know, snap a picture and send it to me, I will get his deck list up on yep. the site. Yep. And I've also got... Uh, crap, I lost one. Here it is. The uh, horoscopes. I'm bringing them back. The extra planar augury. <laughs> Which I might drop and just call them magic horoscopes. But... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, for Born of the Gods, which it's a little late now for some prestidigitation, but wait, is that is that does that mean what I think it does? Uh, no. Balls. Now I got to look up what that means. Prestidig. Oh, look at that. Boom. What does that mean? Magic tricks performed as entertainment. Yeah, that's definitely not it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little late for a you know future telling horoscope. Not bad. And as always, it'll I'll try to make it entertaining. So that's that's good. If anyone doesn't remember what the magic horoscopes are, just go to themanapool.com and under features you will find extra planar augury. Yeah, we we might have tried a little too hard on the names of some of those features back in the beginning. Well, you know, we were new at this. Yeah. <laughs> kind of silly. Although I like how Twitter still says, "Come check out the new website." Twitter says that? Doesn't it? When you when you Should. follow us on Twitter, doesn't it say Pretty sure I changed that a while back. Now I gotta look. <laughs> Luckily, oh, we check out the new website. Balls. I didn't know. I changed it from uh, 
the old uh, Libsyn site to the the actual themanapool.com. That's the change I made. Yes. It still says oh, check out the new website and be entertained. Oh, I just thought of something. I saw that um I saw later that one person had responded to what I had tweeted. Chewy, did anyone else? Or was oh. it just uh, da, 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 hang on. We've had a fair amount of Yeah, I was I was I was sitting I was sitting at this little fold out card table that I'd had set up um to finish building my new commander deck and I was putting some stuff away and then suddenly my eyes went down to, you know, one of the corners of Elspeth's card frame. And I'm like, what? And I looked at it again. And then I went and looked at one of the planeswalkers that I had that was from Lorwyn. And I'm like, huh. And the, the new M15 frame, that part of the bottom that they changed is almost just like the, the planeswalker frame that we've had for several years now. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't notice it until that weird little moment. And I, it was so mind bending that I decided to tweet about it. So when did you, uh, when did you tweet that? Do you remember? Um, it would have had to have been either Thursday night or Friday night. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Chandra is red. Olive oil is cool. Let's celebrate Valentine's Day at the mana pool. That's not it. I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> I did see that. That was that's funny. Let's see here. Fruity Two X said that can't be true. If it was, no one would have played them due to how bad the frame looked. <laughs> and JT made a, a a wide-eyed face and said, "You are some kind of sorcerer." <laughs> and a few people uh, retweeted and favorited it, but I think that was it. Okay. Not long thereafter, I asked for, "Oh God, why can't I sleep? What do you people recommend?" And they started giving me. Benadryl, shotgun and NyQuil, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Alcohol, get messed up. <laughs> Eat a big old plate of turkey and mashed potatoes. You know, if I'd had that, I would have. <laughs> so, I don't know if I uh, just inherited my mother's insane immune system. Crap, hang on. <clears throat> like, right. mom builds up a uh, an immunity to drugs... Yeah. Faster than anyone I've ever seen. And so, uh, I, I had real trouble sleeping due to this uh, sickness. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do some stuff. And I got some Tylenol PM. Oh, first I had NyQuil, and that, that was, I had NyQuil gel caps, and that wasn't doing not a, not a damn thing. Didn't even make me slightly sleepy. So I had a friend of mine bring me some Tylenol PM, cause I couldn't leave the house cause I was dead. And I was like, sweet, Tylenol PM, this'll work. Nope. Sweet. I got Tylenol PM. I've got some, like, nighttime Robitussin. That's supposed to make you drowsy. Nope. Okay. Tylenol PM and the NyQuil. That'll make me sleep. Nope. Oh, yeah? So I went out after I was able to again and got some, um, what's the stuff that you take that's natural? Um, <laughs> crank. <coughs> Melatonin. Melatonin. There you go. And I took one of those and I think the Tylenol PM. Nope. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So apparently, things that are supposed to make you sleep have no effect on me. Was was this before or after um, <laughs> the, the morning where Scott's girlfriend you know, found you sitting on the couch, bombed out of your mind? Oh yeah, that was that was. I to go to sleep. Okay, that was after. Okay. Yeah, my roommate's girlfriend was leaving one morning, and I was sitting on the couch right here where I am now, actually, at ass o'clock in the morning, and apparently. I, like that night I'd slept maybe an hour and a half 
maybe, because that's when this coffin all hit me the hardest. And apparently I was sitting here begging her to make me sleep. I just want to sleep. Would you please make me sleep? <laughs> and Scott swooped in, handed me a couple NyQuil uh, gel caps, and not long afterwards I slept for like four hours. But I get the feeling that was more due to exhaustion and the fact that I was sitting up Okay. than it was the actual NyQuil. <laughs> Because it never worked again. <laughs> <laughs> so I now have some, uh, it's not cough medicine with codeine. My mom has a, a wicked codeine allergy, and I don't know if I've ever had codeine before. So I didn't want to just, you know, I'm going to just drink some of this now and <laughs> see if it works. You know, like a Tuesday night is not a good night to be risking a uh, uh, drug reaction. So yeah. She managed to get yeah, me you, you, some kind. You don't kind. want your ass to fall off if you got to go to work the next day. Right? Yeah. She managed to get me some sort of something that's not cough medicine with codeine, but it's something similar that says in big letters, do not take while operating heavy machinery will make you drowsy. So as soon as we're done, I'm going to take a big-ass swig of that and hope to sleep. I've been sleeping on the couch, sitting mm. up the last, uh, crap, four nights? The last two nights without trying to go to bed first. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to sit here, sit up, and go to sleep. Because as soon as I lay down, the coughing just kills me. So. Well, you could, like, prop yourself up in the bed. Not in my bed, no. <laughs> so it's so much Grab easier to just sit here. Do it? Grab one of the couch cushions. I could just sit on the couch. It's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's been terrible. I'm, uh, tonight I'm but actually then, feeling then pretty you don't, good. But then you don't have the, you know... Uh, ghetto solution comedy of taking a couch cushion into the bed and setting it up on your bed. That's not so good, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I think just sitting on the couch is pretty bad. The first night, so I I, uh, I think it was Saturday night? Sunday night? I was gonna go, I went to bed, and Scott went to bed, and I hacked and coughed and hacked and coughed and hacked and coughed, and two hours later I got up and came out here and slept. Then I woke up before Scott, and I went to work. Mm-hmm. So, the next night, I turned everything off, and I'm sitting here all bundled up in my covers. I got my pillow behind me from my bed, you know. I've got my teddy bear, you know, and all that. And Scott comes out of his room and to go to the bathroom, and it's quiet out here. And yet he hears me go, <laughs> and I could sort of, I could just see his head stick around from the corner real <laughs> slow, like, you all right? <laughs> I was like, yup, not even going to bother trying to go to bed tonight. I'm just going to sleep here. And... Like, he sort of looked down with a confused look on his face and looked back up and said, all right, and went to the bathroom and went to bed. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so I'm hoping to stop being dead soon. I feel really good about recording, or I felt really good about recording tonight, so that's good. Good. And, uh, yeah, big thanks to everyone who offered up uh, their home remedies for how to pass out. Uh, Since (laughs) I don't drink, I didn't actually follow any of them, (laughs) and I really didn't want a shotgun at NyQuil. (laughs) but i think that's enough of that so i keep saying this because it keeps being true i got sick and died for a week so there's been a small small delay but there's big things in the works i'm bringing back all kinds of stuff i still need more information uh the deck building stream idea and the take a sealed pool and analyze it on a stream later both got positive reactions from listeners uh brian i think that last one was yours i think seems like something you'd say Probably. So yeah, things are things are in the works. I've decided I'm going to do a video series, sort of animated with like my cartoon head and 
some representation of whoever I'm talking to, have a short focused discussion, three to six, seven minutes in there somewhere, and then animate it appropriately. Uh, about what, I'm not going to tell you just yet, because I want to get a couple under my belt, because there are people that know how to do things that have no shame about snatching stuff, so I'm not going to let them do it. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, got big things in the works. I'm hoping to narrow one of these guys down to record some one of those very soon so I can get to work on it. The sooner I get it done, the sooner it goes up for all to enjoy and enjoy and enjoy. Whatever, I'm shutting up now. So, this has been uh, episode 312 of The Mana Pool. If you guys have any ideas or uh, suggestions for content, merchandise, that sort of thing, uh, please let us know, uh, as always, because I'm listening to all of your uh, ideas. Yes, I am. Even the dumb ones. I read and I go, ha, it's dumb. That's pretty funny, though. So, uh, with that, thank you all very much for listening, and uh, go play some magic.